All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We roll through a lovely Tuesday afternoon. Welcome back. Jason Greger show on Sports 1440 live on Orders Nation YouTube. Presented by Play Alberta. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where uh, you can get involved. It's a Tuesday, 23 mil. Lots up for grabs today at uh, playalberta.ca. We're a quick look ahead, order fans. Uh, the uh, orders are uh, heavy favorites uh, against Seattle. Are they... Uh, I don't know if the orders are back. Well, I'm going to say. I'm not going to say I don't know. I'm going to say for sure. The orders aren't back yet over two victories over uh, two teams who can't score. But there's signs of progress moving in the right direction, which is all you could ask when you were off to such a horrible start like the Edmonton orders. Uh, obviously, they got a long ways to go. They play Seattle tomorrow. It's another team they should beat. But then they go on a real tough road trip. In Tampa Bay, Bolts are playing well. They might have Vasilevsky. Then you play Florida, who's playing great, and they're getting healthier. They're getting guys back. Then you're in Carolina, who uh, had a terrible start. Not like the order's terrible, just terrible goals against start, but they were winning games, and uh, they're obviously very good. And then uh, even the surprising Washington Capitals at the end of that road trip. The good news for the orders is there's no back-to-backs. The, the road trips so far haven't been difficult as far as fatigue goes. Right? And even at, from a travels perspective... They're in Edmonton on Wednesday. They don't play until Tampa on Saturday. So, uh, you know, it's not a crazy uh, travel uh, either as far as, you know, having to play here and then travel and get into uh, on Wednesday. You have an extra day off. So 
the uh, the the schedule has actually been beneficial. They haven't taken advantage of it, but it's been beneficial. Uh, let's get to our regular Tuesday uh, co-host uh, who has uh, had a week off in uh, in Arizona. Sean Brown joins us. Brownie, how you doing, my man? Good, good. Happy to be back. Rested. Back in the groove. Oh, you were just waiting for all the carnage, eh? And you're like, oh, I'm coming back in now. A new coach. Uh, uh, what did you make of the coaching change? Yeah, it was, it's tough. A little bit of a, I don't know. Obviously, it was a surprise in some ways. The yeah. way the Oilers were playing, you know, they always, this isn't a reflection, obviously, of the coaching staff. They're two good coaches, two good men. Um, this is just a reflection of where they're at as a team and, you know, to me, it looked like a team that it needed to, something had to happen. Something, there had to been a change. Yeah. Right. It was very uninspiring hockey that they were playing. It was almost like they were at the point where they were waiting for something to happen. So, uh, a little bit, you know, I was surprised. I was hoping, you know, I was a Woodcroft, Woodcroft fan. I was hoping he was going to be able to work through it, especially after the win. But I understand the process and listening to the, uh, you know, the media, when they had, you know, introduced the new coaching staff and Ken talked about it, it's not easy. It's never easy to make that decision and it takes time. Um, but you know what? They, uh, it's a little bit of a boost. It looked like they got that yesterday, the bump that, you know, every coach, coaching change, uh, usually gets. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can build off of some of the things that they did well yesterday. As a defenseman, um, Dave Manson and uh, Paul Coffey, I think, will have different approaches to certain things, right? Evan Bouchard uh, said that today when I asked him, right? Uh, Dave Manson, for Bouchard anyway, want a real emphasis on, you know, playing a little bit uh, heavier and, and stronger in areas. And, and Paul Coffey, you know, uh, his, at least to Bouchard anyway, is, I really need you to move the puck. I want you to focus on moving the puck quicker, right? Like, that's obviously one of your best skill sets. So let's see how it goes. Um, you know, there's lots of people saying, hey, Paul Coffey doesn't have coaching experience. Now, he's played in the league. You played for lots of different coaches. Can, and you've coached yourself. So the understanding of the game, I'm not sure anybody questions that on Coffey. But the art of coaching, right? It's you might have lots of knowledge, but do you have the ability to take your knowledge and present it in a way that the players understand? That, to me, is the art of coaching. Right. So I don't know if, if you know that right away or not on a guy, but what, what do you make of Paul Coffey coming in? Right. He's got like one year of, of junior A coaching experience and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's tough for anyone, no matter what level or how much success you've had in the game. It doesn't always translate. But, you know, when you look at Dave Manson's style and, and Paul Coffey's style, they, they were obviously two different styles and successful in their own ways. Um, I think a guy when you when you talk about Bouchard could really benefit from a guy like Paul Coffey who was a smooth skating skilled defenseman he'd be very you know he'd be able to relate very well to someone like Bouchard and and when he's as a skilled guy is telling you to move the puck knowing that this guy put up big numbers and and was able to you know play a skilled game it doesn't mean like you know, a lot of young defensemen or defensemen in general think, well, if I just move the puck, that you know, I'm out of the play. It's, it's, <laughs> this is the beginning of something good. Yeah. Right? Um, there's a lot of ways to create offense in the offensive zone, especially the way they play now. If you look at how active defensemen are and their ability to cycle and and play below the tops of the circles and below the goal line, like that's today's NHL. You have to be able to play that way because it's hard to defend. It creates a lot of confusion in the defensive zone. 
Um, so I, I, I think it's going to be really good for, for, for Bouchard to have a guy like Coffey. Um, and I think that, you know, as far as him not having the experience, you know, because of what he's done, it's obviously that's the initial going to get the respect of the guys. And now it's on Coffey to build that relationship and the trust um, within, you know, with, with that defense core. Now, I was watching last night. I was watching on the bench closely, and uh, my seat uh, is right across the ice. So I'm watching. Coffee was talking to lots of guys, and you know, Matthias Ekholm talked about part of this feeling out process is even the coach understanding the players. Ekholm said he loves getting instant feedback in a game. If the coach sees something, hey, here, there, great. And it's not always just you can't only tell them what they're not doing, right? It's about hey, I really like that play. Da 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 da. What do you see or whatever it is? Um, Mark Stewart's right down there, and then there's Coffee as well. Right, Stewart. Of course, like I, I wonder, like, is this in unison a little bit here, right? With with Stewart there as well as Coffee, or does that create some uncertainty because you don't know what message you're getting? Like, maybe Coffee is the only one talking to the players, but then him and Stewart are talking about what you see, like, because there can't be too many voices, correct? Absolutely. You don't want to. You got to be careful. You don't overcoach, right? Yes. I mean, I I think a lot of probably what Coffee would be saying is probably, you know a lot of pumping the tires really yes. to be yeah. honest with you i think it's great for stewart to have paul coffee there and vice versa right they're able to to kind of learn from each other and you know obviously now those two guys are spending a ton of time together in a cubicle in the dressing room and bouncing ideas and philosophies off of each other to make sure that they're on the same page and which will ultimately benefit you know the defense core so you know you don't um I, I think today's kid, they, they do like um, to be talked to. Um, and it all depends on what you're saying to them. And, and Coffee has been around this team, you know, for quite a while now. He probably has an idea maybe and, in, in, you know, with his relationships to guys and the trust that he's built in this short time, you know, to be able to talk to him. Um, and there's no better way, you know, to get a better understanding because sometimes, you know, these kids are the, these guys are the ones that are playing and we're all sitting back there and critiquing and questioning why they're doing things. And sometimes when you're talking, it's nice to get an understanding, you know, Hey, you know, maybe you should move two feet to the right or to the left here. And the defenseman is saying, Hey, listen, this, this is what I seen and this is why I did it. Right. So that, those conversations are good. That's what it's, that's what it's all about. It's coaching. Yeah. Uh, Sean Brown joined us. It's only it's only one game, and I don't really and you know the coach didn't make a lot of changes before that game, right? Um, there's just you don't have enough time. You have a morning skate uh, even today at practice. Now there was a few little things in practice today that I watched that uh, you know they were just working on stick positioning, really trying to funnel guys to the outside through the neutral zone, right? Um, you know I had a brief chat. Connor Brown kind of mentioned that as well. And so, you know, th- those are small little things that they can implement over time. Like, this is something a coach might believe in more than another coach. Say, hey, I really want this to be a focus of our team. Every coach has one or two things. There's a basic, hey, this is the system we want to play. Like he talked about, it. he wants to play his own defense. Well, I know everybody got their uh, um, you know, shorts in a knot because uh, the orders try to change at the start of the year. Like, wow, it's terrible. That's the system that cost them. I don't believe for a second it was a system. It was the execution or lack thereof. Uh, from the players, because zone defense isn't that hard. Ronnie, you've played it. you played man-to-man, you play zone. And in this one, Knobloch kind of talked about the quadrants, right? Here's your quadrant. I would think it's... Now, I never I never played defense at any high level. I did play defense once for one year because the coach was losing his mind and 
decided I'd play defense. And I did learn lots. <laughs> <laughs> but I was happy the next year when I got to play forward again. You could shut your brain off yeah. again. But uh, it helped me at seeing the ice, I will say that. Like, it was a different viewpoint from back there. But as a D-man, when they play, like, when you, it doesn't mean that you just sit in your quadrant necessarily, but what do you make of zone to, did you like one better as a defender? No, I mean, I think that it's, here's a rough idea. I mean, what, like I touched on earlier, you know, the, the teams that are hard to play against right now, when you watch, you know, yesterday's game or you watch the NHL is the, the amount of movement, right? And the more movement you can create creates a lot of uncertainty. It creates the defensive team to now, you know, making sure they're pivoting, they're, you know, head on a swivel and ultimately communicating, which now, you know, there's a better chance of a of breakdowns. It's very hard to defend that when the defensemen are are switching and, and moving in and out and, you know, you got three guys high and as a defenseman we naturally don't want to get too far away from our net. As we get further away from our net you know, it, it becomes a little bit uncomfortable, but in today's game, you have to get comfortable with doing that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you talk about the little details about, you know, uh, the neutral zone and, and dictating with your stick and angling and putting guys in positions where you want them to go. That's one thing I really noticed in yesterday's game with the Islanders is how well they um, got in on the forecheck, but how many plays they actually broke up with just stick on puck. Yeah. Right. They, Zach Hyman. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was unbelievable. And, and, you know, obviously the Oilers didn't start, you know, the way they wanted to start, but as they got going, they started adding that into their game. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, you watch the NHL now and you watch, uh, you know, you watch the Oilers fourth line there, Holloway and, um, God, he's escaping my name, 71 there. Uh, uh, McLeod. McLeod. Like, they mm-hmm. skate so well. Yeah. And now if they can close and, and keep pucks alive and turn pucks over with their stick, um, you know, it, it's hard to play against it, those guys. And they created a lot yeah. off of that. Yeah, eventually, you know, they'll need some finish. And the one thing, Ryan McLeod, he's got to readjust his scope. He has uh, 15 shots on goal, but he has 11 missed shots. Like, you, you don't want to be 50-50 there. That's just not a good uh, ratio for uh, shots missed in the net. And uh, I know Fogel talked about it that, you know, Woodcroft talked to him at the start. Hey, man, you missed the net too much. Right? You're not scoring ever. Right? Like, look at Conor McDavid's goal last night. It wasn't a perfect shot. It basically ended up going right through Sorokin. And the crowd goes nuts. Now imagine for a second if that goal went through Stuart Skinner. And how people would freak out. That's what I always try to say. Not every goal is terrible, right? McDavid put in the right spot, got a little bit lucky. Would Sorokin want it back? Probably. And uh, it happens both ways. Um, Skinner, solid again. And didn't have to face a ton of quality chances. Uh, when he did, though, he made some huge stops right in front. And that's what you want from your goalie. And so it builds some confidence. Uh, 320, Jason Greger, Sean Brown with you on Sports 1440. You can always email us in our uh, Jiffy Lube inbox, 833-401-1440. That's the, uh, the text line you can get to uh, when we return. We will have... Um, Later on the show, five questions. Dave McCarthy joins us next. Uh, some games in Sweden coming up this weekend. Some potential changes through a three-on-three overtime. Uh, Struddy will be by. Help your neighbor and more on a busy Tuesday edition of The Gregor Show. A little Katrina in the waves. Woo. This one must have been requested by our next guest. Huge, huge fan, I'm thinking. Huge fan. As uh <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Gregor Show. Sports 1440 as we go around the NHL. Brought to you by Mick 
Donald's, and it's Tuesday. You know what that means? McFan Day. Guess what? The Fan Day deals are back. $4 for a Big Mac, a McChicken, or a filet of fish today when you use the McDonald's app. Now, let's be real. You're loving the Big Mac, McChicken. I know some of you, like Brownie's probably a filet of fish guy, but, uh, you know, you're very, very rare. Like, remember when they had the blue box and it stood out? You knew right away if they were a filet of fisher. I was uh, never a filet of fisher. Definitely a Big Macker. McChicken, sure. But uh, Big Mac all the way. Do you ever uh, have filet of fish, Brownie? Never, but you know what? I'm not a fast food guy unless it's like two, two thirty in the morning. Yeah, so then a lot of <laughs> <laughs> so a lot. I, I'm not a fast food guy unless it's two in the morning. Brownie, how many times do you go out two in the morning? Ah, <laughs> uh, three, four times a week. <laughs> As uh, we are joined by a gentleman who uh, is a fast fooder every now and then. He's also a big bird watcher. Uh, Dave McCarthy from uh, Sirius XM joins us. Davey, how you doing? Good, you guys kill me. That's that's hilarious. How many times you go? Eh, three times. <laughs> just going out for a peak, eh? Hey, Davey, just going out for a peak at uh, oh, two in the morning. Man. Are you a fillet of fisher? No, 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 I was never. I'm not the biggest fish guy to begin with. The only way you get fish into me is if I can grill my own salmon. Okay. Um, on the queue, but uh, I'll mix in a Big Mac every now and again when you need a burgie when you're oh. out at. 2 a.m. having a peak. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said they get the double quarter pounder with Big Mac sauce because it takes out the middle bun and they say it's a game changer. (laughs) I've never done it, but I'm intrigued. I'm very much intrigued. Yeah, I know. That's what I said, but hey, that's good. Um, Speaking of meat, how much meat do you think there is on this bone of potential changes to three on three? Because I'm telling you, I'm loving the people that have brought up because three on three used to be awesome. It's still pretty good, but we do see lots more like eliminating over and back where once you gain center, you can't under uh, control purposely just skate out and regroup. I love that idea. I think it makes you attack more. Do you think there's an appetite for it? I have concerns, though. What if you pass the puck back and miss? Because it's not under control. Then it's okay. If it's not under control. Yeah, because the rule is – because you see the guys, they leave the offensive zone, and then they skate all the way back with the puck, just kind of regroup. That's what they're trying to eliminate. My other element of concern is what if uh, you get close to the red line and then suddenly we're under review after an overtime winner to see if the guy's skate went a couple of inches over the red line for whatever reason. But if the puck's Um, in the zone still then, Dave, that's fine. It's like offside, right? If you have the puck inside the offensive zone and you skate out of it, you're fine. No, I understand that. I understand that. But I I just feel like we could be subjecting ourselves to further reviews, further video reviews. Because, I mean, let's let's put it this way. When we brought in the offside review, uh, it wasn't necessarily intended to go down the road that it did for a while. Um, and, and I think we kind of got away from the spirit of the rule. And, and as a result, we've oversubjected ourselves to unnecessary video review. Um, I just don't want that to be the case, especially in a point of the game where there is a decisive result at hand, because that'll really, really spoil the, the spontaneity of the celebration and the drama and the excitement in the building. If, oh, hang on, hang on, we got to review this. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about. That, that it subjects us to further video review because I don't think we need that. I personally, fellas, don't have much of an issue with three-on-three three, the way it is right now. It, sure, it's not as frenetic as it was maybe when it was brought in by the league, 
but by and large, it's generally pretty exciting. Um, you know, the, the game the other night here in Toronto, when, uh, when Toronto ended up beating Calgary in a shootout, um, the only thing I would have wanted out of that game was to see overtime extended by two or three minutes. And I spoke to a couple of guys uh, after that that said, look, I, I wouldn't mind going another two or three minutes. You know, what is that? Probably like one extra shift for the top players. Um, that That's what I would prefer to see. I, I don't really think we need to tinker too much with the mechanics of how three-on-three is played. All right. That's, uh, that's fair. The uh, a few things are around. Like, give me your thoughts because everybody in Edmonton is always curious. Uh, what did you make of the uh, the Oiler moves uh, over the weekend? Well, I think there was a a series of moves that were made last week to try to spark the team. Like Adam Ernie was placed on waivers. That was you know a minor attempt at sparking the team. Then Jack Campbell was placed on waivers. That was a a more major attempt to get everybody's attention. Um, and then they lost to San Jose in regulation, and then ultimately terrible, the gets terrible it, loss. By the way, Dave. Got oh, it's brutal. it's. Uh, I mean, there's just really no way to to put it. There are no words to describe how unacceptable it was for the Edmonton Oilers to lose to San Jose in regulation. That ultimately, I think, was the straw that broke the camel's back. Obviously, they needed to get some paperwork done to get Chris Knobloch out of Hartford, deal with the Rangers. So that took a couple of days, and I think that explains why Jay Woodcroft got the Seattle game. Um, but now they're in a position where, look, they got a lot of work to do to climb themselves back into the standings. Do I think it was all on Jay Woodcroft? No, I really don't. No. Um, I think it's on the group of players to ultimately decide that we're going to have to buy into a system here and, and, and not just run out there and try and play score a goal where we try to beat teams six, five every night, commit to structure and, and play that way. Um, Otherwise, they have no chance. So this really is ultimately on the players, and that includes Connor McDavid, that includes Leon Dreisaitl, that includes the top guys um, to be better. Everyone to a man needs to be better. And and what has to happen now, it needs to start with the top guys because, as I said, they're going to have to commit to a system. Um, but it needs to be shown that 97 is committing to it and that dry saddle is committing to it. And then if the coach can get buy-in from them, then it becomes easier to hold other guys down the lineup accountable. But if there's two sets of rules and, and McDavid and dry get to do their own thing, whatever, but it just, it's just not going to work. It needs to be bought in from the top down. Um, that's going to be the challenge. I think moving forward for Edmonton, it's a shame for Jay Woodcroft because it was not entirely on him. This is on the players. How many head coaches do they need really before the message gets, gets, gets through the time is now for the players to get it. Dave, good on the Oilers for going outside the box, I guess, and as far as giving a, a, a relatively new young coach an opportunity. And good on the New York Rangers for allowing Chris the opportunity to come here. Do you think this is something new? Is this Could this be a trend? And will this give new up-and-coming young coaches opportunities in the future? Yeah, maybe. I, I think any time a team approaches uh, your organization for a move that is not considered a lateral move but a promotion, um, you, you should be willing to allow a team um, to have that employee, really. Because, I mean, I think it speaks to to your organization. If you don't and if you continually block people from getting promotions – 
then I think people will ultimately think longer and harder about whether I want to come to your organization because am I going to get pigeonholed here? So, yeah, 100% credit to the New York Rangers uh, for allowing Chris Knobloch out of that deal. Now, I think I, I think it's a bit of a misnomer at times that, that younger coaches, newer coaches don't get opportunities. Like Ryan Husky got hired in Calgary this year. That, that's a new coach. So I think there's... Um, a number of opportunities, like Greg Cronin, guy's 60 years old. He's only ever been an assistant coach um, or a head coach at the minor league level. Anaheim hired him when they could have gone to somebody you know more established at the NHL level. So, so whether it's younger or or whether it's inexperienced coaches, I, I think there's a ton of guys getting opportunities nowadays. Um, so I don't think that's as much of a an issue as as some seem to believe that it is. Um, as it pertains to Edmonton, though, I was a little surprised that they went with um, a guy who has uh, a lack of NHL experience, right, and such a relationship to Connor McDavid. Because now we talked about it, it, it becomes about establishing structure, establishing accountability. I think that's one area that Jay Woodcroft struggled in was was accountability, holding guys to account. Um it, it becomes more difficult, I think, to do that when you don't have experience at the NHL level. Um, and, and, and especially when you have prior relationships as Chris Knobloch does with Connor McDavid. Like, if, if I was Chris, first meeting I would have had was with, with 97, pulled him into my office and said, look, man, you're all about winning. We want to be about winning here. The only way that's going to happen is if we all start to pull on the oar in the same direction. And the only way I'm going to be able to get everyone to do that is if you're doing it too. And if you slip, I have to come to you and tell you that I need better out of you. I need to hold you, in other words, to account. Are you on board with that? And, I mean, at that point, if his answer is no, that's a humongous problem. The answer should be yes, but at least then it's been put out um, up front so that everyone's on the same page and that Connor understands, look, this applies to me too. Because I just, as I said, if, if he's not buying in, you can't hold anybody else to account. So that's the, the first meeting I would have had um, if I was Chris Knobloch. And, and now it comes down to actually adhering to that and holding guys to account so that they all can pull in the same direction because the talent is there. Uh, but they need to find a way to collectively make the parts um, greater th- as a whole than than a group of individuals. Dave McCarthy from uh, SiriusXM joins us. Uh, Dave, the Florida Panthers, lots of people thought that they'd be in the ditch at this point of the season with all their injuries, especially their two best defensemen in Ekblad and Montour. Oliver ekman Larson probably haven't talked about it enough. Oliver ekman Larson has been very good in, uh, in Florida. Uh, we had Jeff Merrick on. He actually thinks it's easier for defensemen to play in the East than it is in the West. It's it's not necessarily as fast overall. What do you make of that? Uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's some guys who can get around the ice in the East. I think from from a travel standpoint, it might be a little bit easier, certainly, to play in the East, especially for a guy that's getting a little older. might take a little longer to recover. Travel's not as onerous, certainly, as it is in Vancouver, where, you know, every game is is a long ass haul to get to wherever you're going. Right. Um, so, you know, when you play in Florida, Tampa's just up the road, Carolina's just up the road. It's a two and a half hour flight to Toronto. It's a two hour flight to like, it's not three plus hours pretty much every single time. So that, that might help a little bit. Um, yeah, he's played really well. 
He really has. And and now that Florida's been able to stem that tide and and keep their heads above water until they get Ekblad and Montour back, um, now it's going only going to make it easier for, for OEL to be able to push him down the lineup a little bit into even more favorable matchups for a guy at, at the stage of his career that he's at. So credit to the Panthers. They were a little, little rocky at the beginning of the year, but they, they steadied the course. And now they're in really, really good shape. And, you know, I, that was a concern of mine coming in. Like, you take you take a, a team's top two defensemen on the lineup for, for like, 18 games. That's a, almost a quarter of the season. You, there's a lot of teams to be in real tough shape if you do that. So credit to Florida for being able to get through that. You look at another team, Tampa Bay, you know, they've been trying to make do without Andre Vasilevsky, who's around the corner. Um, they're hoping within a couple of weeks he's back just after uh, Thanksgiving in the U.S. Um, but it's going to be important for them to have a, a solid couple of weeks here because they're they're right on that edge um, of, of slipping back a little bit. So uh, that's going to be fascinating to follow out of, out of Tampa Bay. But Florida's been in really good shape. So, you know, at this point, you get Ekblad and Montour back, you'd have to expect that they're going to go on a little bit of a run here and really solidify themselves atop the division. Dave, you're bang on on the uh, flights. For a guy that doesn't like flying, when I got traded to the East and those hour flights were a blessing for me. But um, with the NHL celebrating some of their best players and best people in the game yesterday, do you think with the Hall of Fame... Do you think the NHL should have a blackout date and where we can actually yeah. celebrate it a little bit more as, as a fan? Yeah, 100%. I, I don't understand because there are the odd days randomly throughout the year where there are no games. And we're all like, why? It's a Friday night. Like, <laughs> I kind of want to watch a game. Why is there no games? Nothing else going on. Um, that would be a day where, to me, it would make sense because there's always usually like two. Okay, so if we've got two, we can find a way to make it zero. And, and cram those games in at some other point on the schedule. I think it would um, make a lot of sense to have that day dark, to celebrate. Uh, the, I mean, I, I consider the Hall of Fame, it's like the Met Gala of hockey. Anybody who's anybody shows up. Everyone's dressed the nines. Um, it, it's a celebration of the game's greats. And um, there's there's hockey's so small, right? I don't have to tell you guys that. The relationships run deep. And, you know, I'm sure there'd be a lot of guys that, um, might be tied up having to play a game that they're not able to get up if the opportunity uh, provides itself to get up here and celebrate, um, you know, their teammate or their colleague or somebody they'd worked with in the past or, or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I, I do think that if 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 the opportunity allows, it would make sense to have that day uh, dark on the uh, schedule. It's a year in advance, but. I've seen reports, people suggesting the NHL Hall won't put any Russian players right now, which is perplexing to me. So Pavel Datsuk can't go into the Hockey Hall of Fame, but Russian players can currently play in the NHL. I don't see how you can have it both ways. No, it makes no sense. I mean, no, that that to me is not an issue. Like, I get why there's reluctance to have Russia part of an international tournament at this point in time. I understand that. Um, but but guys, especially who have long since concluded their playing careers, you know, and in a, in a, a case of a guy like Alex McGillney, who was the first guy to defect mm-hmm. from, in other words, I want to get the hell out of here and come to North America. Yeah. Why would that be held against him makes no sense to me so 
um, yeah, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't heard anybody of of credibility suggest that this is an issue. There might be some people who, you know, the 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 take offense crowd that um, have an issue with this as their issue du jour. Um, but but to me, it's it's a non-issue at this point to have uh, guys who've long since concluded their playing career, especially in cases like Alex McGillney, who who wanted to get the hell out and come over to North America. That shouldn't be held against them. Yeah, I would agree. Davey, good stuff, buddy. We will uh, chat with you next Tuesday. Have a great week. Okay, boys, see it. That's uh, Dave McCarthy from uh, Sirius XM. We've got a lot of text to get to uh, with uh, Sean Brown. We'll get to his thoughts on... Uh, how do you hold players accountable as teammates? We'll get to uh, some of that and more on Jason Greger show presented by PlayAlberta.ca live on Sports 1440 and Orders Nation YouTube. Jason Greger. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sean Brown with you on Sports 1440. Orders Nation YouTube, how are you? Got a lot of text flying in, some, uh, some good ones to, uh, to get to. Hey, Brownie. Uh, when you were uh, with the orders or any other team, what did your group do to hold players accountable? How does this group create team toughness? I feel there's no gamesmanship with the group. By the way, I was glad how Leon reacted last night with his uh, cross check from uh, M. <laughs> yeah, that's a little. That's a tough question now because when I played, we practiced all the time. Like yeah. Mac T was a big practice guy, no days off. And I liked being on the ice, to be honest with you. I, I wasn't a guy, obviously, that was counted on and played huge minutes. So I wanted to be on the ice all the time, working on my game and practicing. Today's athlete, today's teams, they don't practice as much. But I remember coming into the league as a pro and being amazed from junior to pro, the intensity, the compete, and the fact that guys would fight in practice. Um, there was a huge level of accountability in practice and that's the beautiful thing about this game um, is that when guys aren't pulling their weight or doing what they should be doing on or off the ice or how they're conducting themselves, 
you can justify it by going after someone on it, it's accepted to go at them in practice and there was lots of times that there was lots of fights altercations and um you know especially you know when guys weren't in the lineup guys weren't happy you know the uh, it's not a fun place to be when you're not playing there's no better place to be than at the rink when you're winning but when you're not winning and you're not playing right you're doing everything you can to show the coaches that you want to be in there you're not going to accept it and you're obviously working on your habits and trying to work your way through it and a lot of times because of that there's altercations you got highly competitive athletes on the ice and it's just you you can't avoid it um but you know the healthiest teams have the healthiest dressing rooms as far as accounting because a coach can only do so much thank you right a coach can only do so much and Mm -hmm. i like i said woodcroft is a good coach and he's going to get back in this league and so is dave manson at some point you know, you can see through their game and how uninspired and they they needed a change. And unfortunately, you can't change, you know, you, you can't change all the players. You can only change a coach. So, um, you know, and I guess getting back to it is is there's obviously, you know, I've, I never really liked fighting teammates myself. Um, but, you know, there was lots of times I did get into altercations just because, you know, of my style and how I had to play and um, but that's, you know, on all the teams that I was with, by far, um, the accountability came from the players in practice and their habits um, and holding each other to a high, high standard. Yeah. So it's a good question. Uh, other move, this just coming down. Uh, so I told you earlier, uh, Dylan Holloway has uh, is injured, um, probably going to be out a few months. Got a knee injury after he crashed into the boards, just lost an edge and uh, went basically knee first into the boards. Brutal. So he's injured. Uh, the orders today announced <laughs> that uh, Raphael Lavoie is going to uh, Bakersfield. So so they had that. They had 12 forwards in the lineup last night. Now there's two gone. So let's Brown skated again today, second day in a row. Uh, he said he was very close. So I assume he's close. So that's 11. They only have six defensemen. So unless Matthias Janmark is ready, even though I haven't seen him skate, that would be odd to me. There's got to be another move coming. So something to follow. Uh, now, it might just be another recall, but uh, if it was, why wouldn't you have uh, sent Lavoie down today and then uh, announced uh, who the recall was at the same time? Right? That's, that's uh, um, you know, a, a, a little odd to me that, uh, that you, wouldn't, um, uh, you wouldn't do that. So... I don't know. Is there uh, is there something else brewing? Hmm. I'm just my when I'm crunching the numbers, I, I see no reason to put yourself in a position that you're, um, you know, with Holloway injured, Brown coming back, that replaces each other, and now you're going to send Lavaud down and just run eleven and six. Well, that makes no sense to me. So, well, especially because Lavaud, did he do anything right or wrong? Like he looks like well, a young rookie trying to cut his teeth, right? Yeah, but but to me is. He didn't do anything that's like, oh, my God, he's got to stay in the lineup, right? Like, I have no problem if he goes down in the American League and plays more minutes, right? Um, he's still only being a guy who's played 40 really good AHL games, right? I He's young player. If Rafael Lavoie is down on the minors for another three weeks or a month and is lighting it up playing 20 minutes a night, I don't think that's a problem. But, but I just think there's – you know what? They're looking at – at uh, at wanting, uh, but I think they need another left shot. Is what it is because Holloway's gone. Brown comes back. He's a right shot. Lavoie's a right shot. Ryan's a right shot. 
finally the orders when they never had any right shots now they have too many right shots so uh you know i wonder if maybe ernie's coming back up or something else so uh, was woodcroft not were we not in the situation where we weren't playing four lines and that's kind of why maybe woodcroft is not here and now you got a new coach why not play four lines keep him you know he's not playing a lot of minutes he played four lines last night but even even though in a night where there wasn't many power plays and if you look at the rotation, people are like, yeah, McDavid and them, they only play 20 minutes. Great. Yes. But your fourth line guy still only played eight and a half. Right? Because all that happened was the second line played more, the third line played more. That's what happened last night. Right? So I just think they look at Raphael Lavoie, and I've watched Raphael Lavoie play. He hasn't done anything horrible at all. But he hasn't done anything to say, wow, he's really stepping out and standing out either. So, you know, him going down... um, is one and you know do they accrue cap space yes but you, you you're not going to just accrue cap space and go 11 and 6 i guess you could but that that would be an odd decision for me so to me there's there's got to be something else coming here it just doesn't make it doesn't add up the math doesn't make sense why would you purposely play fewer players when you don't have to you have the cap space you know what you holloway and brown like that you have the cap space you can do it so to me, there's got to be something else coming. And I think he, I mean, I, he, he obviously play, played well enough. That's why he got called up. I'd like to see if you're going to bring up Ernie and bring him down. I, I just, I would rather see there's way more upside in Lavoie. No. Yeah. But he's playing left wing and he's never playing left wing. Cause maybe that's why. Yeah. I mean, to be, you gotta, you know, that's part of being a young player is kind of reinventing yeah. yourself no, too, that's, right? That's you gotta totally add fair. some layers to your game. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. No, hey, you're, you won't get an argument from me that, you know, Raphael Lavoie has more upside than Ernie. Like, that's not even a conversation, I don't think. Like, I don't think anybody's going to say that. I'm just trying to rationalize mm-hmm. what their thought process is here. And you look at, you know, they suddenly have a lot of right shots. Sam Gagne's a right shot. Brown's a right shot. Lavoie's a right shot. You know, I think Hyman's a right They got a lot of right shots. And uh, um, none of them are really center options, right? It's funny enough. They would love a right-hand center. <laughs> so I just... To me, if I'm crunching the numbers, it just seems like maybe something's off there and there might be a, another move uh, coming for sure. Um, and guys, does this open up space for Patrick Kane? <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, that would be great, though. Are you uh, are you kidding me? That would be uh, that would be fantastic. But I don't uh, I don't see it. Um, God, I would love to be wrong in that. Like Patrick Kane is one of the more exciting players I've ever watched. Oh, like yeah. he would be unbelievable. But I just but who's in the market for him? Like, well, Carolina, Florida. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to go out east. I get it. He's thirty four, turns thirty five later this month. Which, by the way, oh no, it wouldn't matter because he's thirty five before the end of the calendar year. So uh, he now um, he can get a bonus laden contract. So keep that in mind. Right, that's something to. Uh, Right. He'd also, you know, buy out everything to age him and stuff like that. But I could see a one year deal. Could you imagine what people would think of Ken Holland if he pulled that off? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Back on that bus. Yeah. I got to think there's another move coming today for the, uh, the orders. So just, uh, just a note on that. Um, we'll see who it is. Like, you know, Lane Peterson, I think is back playing. Maybe it's him. We'll, uh, We'll see. They do have James Hamlin here as a center, so, you know, maybe not. Find out. Not a huge one, but uh, every roster spot matters at different times. No question about it. Hey, guys, uh, what about putting uh, 
Holloway on LTR, does that open up space to bring up anybody else? Well, the owners don't have anybody in the minors who makes a lot of money other than Jack Campbell, right? So I don't see that. Now, Holloway going on LTIR, like if they put Lavoie down and they recall somebody else up and Browns, who's who's never not been on the roster, comes off the orders. The, the only benefit of putting Holloway on LTIR is you can have an extra body around, right? So you have somebody in the press box. That's the only benefit. The negative of putting Holloway on LTR right now is the the small amount of cap space that they are accruing every day goes away. So that's um, that's kind of where they're at. I think you would put a player on LTR if you needed the money. Otherwise, for the orders right now, like every little dollar, I know they're only. I think I. I, I Crunch the numbers and send an email. I think they're at like twenty two thousand a day, which it's you know they're accruing twenty two thousand, which isn't a lot, but every dollar adds up, right? It adds up over time. So if if you don't need to do it, uh, you don't have to. So, hey guys, uh, what about signing Phil the Thrill? Hmm. I guess that's an option. Forgot about him. Right? Yeah. Um, he can score. Well, he hasn't scored the last few years. Like, Phil, Ke- like, are, are you getting the Phil Kessel that uh, people remember when he was a big time player with Pittsburgh? Or are you getting Phil Kessel, who's a healthy scratch in the playoffs for Vegas? Right? Now, he did score 14 goals last year. Nothing, if, if you're going to sign him to a league minimum and he gets, you know, he's a 14 goal scorer, yeah, sure. But when you look at the order's left wing with Fogel and Kane and Nugent Hopkins, well, sorry, Phil's a right shot. What am I saying? So um, I look at the right side now. Well, you, would you look and say, hey, I think Phil can score more than Sam Gagne? That's probably a fair assumption. Could you have both? Yeah, like you got Phil, you got Gagne, you got Ryan. Probably not. You don't need them all, right? Yeah. So I got a question for you. Yeah. When do you think Calvin Pickard will get in that? It's funny. I asked uh, that question to the head coach today, and uh, and he says he's going to talk to Schwartz. Um, I'm looking at their schedule. Their schedule. Stuart Skinner is a young guy. He didn't play. You know, he, they split duties for the first twelve. Skinner has now started three games in a row. Uh, I, I assume he's going to start tomorrow. I could be wrong. Like, if there was a game I would start him, it would be tomorrow. That's the one game I'd go because then I could go with Skinner in Tampa, Skinner in Florida, Skinner in Carolina. No problem. I think tomorrow is a time you could do it if you're on because they're the, they're the weakest opponent. It's a team that you beat for fun. Yeah, you can't they take don't anything a, for granted right now. I know, There's no they, way I'm going so with then Skinner you, all the way. So when I are mean, you starting them then? I'm not. I don't think I'm worried about the team that he plays against. I think that I think with Stewart Skinner playing the way he's playing right now, and the first time they've put back to back wins, and there's no guarantee in the next game, Skinner's got the net. I wouldn't worry whether he's playing against Tampa Bay or Carolina if I was going to put Calvin in that. Okay. It, that that wouldn't play a factor. If anything, that could be motivation for guys. I hear nothing but good things about, you know, the way he carries himself and what a teammate he is. That that's that could be a rallying point. Yeah. No. So. Yeah, well, that's fair. So then you'd you'd put Skinner in tomorrow, which I I agree with that. Well, Skinner's riding this out. Yeah, so then he's riding out till when? So is it Tampa Bay? Is is he riding out till he loses? What if they lose two to one? <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So when are you starting him? Tampa on Saturday, 
You got Florida, you got Carolina on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and then you have Washington on the following Friday, after, and it's an afternoon game. Maybe that's when you do it. I'm giving them a couple games for sure. Let a couple? Go. Yeah. Like in the next five? Yeah. Really? Hmm. See, I would think Skinner. I think you can get one in the next five, and I think it might be the Washington one. I think Skinner. Now, and unless he has a real off night, I think we'll see Skinner Seattle. I think we'll see him in Tampa, Florida. Carolina, and then against Washington in the afternoon game is when you go with uh, Calvin Pickard. I was impressed with Skinner yesterday. The fact that he let that early goal in, and the way he bounced back, and the saves that he made, I, I was very. I, I think he's gonna. This is his little bump right here. I think All he's right. gonna run here. Okay, there you go. Let's get to uh, the con man and a sports fourteen forty update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. BIE This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 